This is the message from Connection Community Church for this Sunday, December 9th, 2012. Reclaiming Christmas, The Lines. Yeah, it's time to reclaim Christmas and make sure that Jesus is our number one answer on the survey. Amen? Yeah, yeah. That He's at the center of what we do this season, and we put Christ back into Christmas. Today, we're going to look at this as we look at The Lines. Good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, thank you so much for laughter. Thank you that we could come together and worship you freely through our song. And uh, we could see people that we know and maybe meet people if we uh, are here for the first time, God not by accident that any one of us are here. So I would ask that you would open our hearts so that we might receive what you have in store for each one of us. Speak to us, Lord. We give this time to you in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And everybody gathered at Connection said, Amen. 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 Okay, so it's Christmas time. And at Christmas time, there are a lot of lines. Any of you shopping on Black Friday? Yeah. So unless you were first at the door, you were in a line. Or any time we go shopping, there's lines to uh, to get to the uh, the merchandise, to get help, to get uh, rung out at the cashier. Uh, uh, you may even have lines just to get into the shopping center or into the parking lot of the store. There's lines all all over the place. Uh, uh, I guess, I didn't do any shopping this day, but I, I bet there were even lines when you were online on Cyber Monday because I understand things moved a little slower because so many people were kind of jamming up cyberspace. So even that kind of shopping, there seemed to be maybe some so-called lines at this time of the year. So what's intriguing is how long we are willing to wait in these lines. You know, whatever that line might be, and as we wait in the lines, especially this time of year, it's because we're getting something or doing something for someone else. It's not out of selfishness. I was at Walmart yesterday. Oh, wow. Were you in line? I was in line for a long, long time. I had to buy two Lala Loopsy dolls for Isabella <laughs> and Adeline, and they are the cutest little things, They Alan. were adorable. Absolutely they are adorable. adorable. And I remember <laughs> one time when Aaron, Megan, and Devin were little, that they're our daughters, when they were little, I stood in line. In fact, I got up at, like, I never went to bed. Crazy got hour. in line at midnight and waited eight hours cabbage for a patch. Cabbage Patch doll. <laughs> Three of them. And guess what? Think about that. Where are they now? I don't know. I don't know. But you know what? They were only twenty nine ninety five. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I thought it was a lot of money back then. It was a steal. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, we wait in the lines, and and that's what it's all about. You know, we give of our time so that we can get the perfect gift for that person or people who we love. Mm -hmm. Now, there's another line, kind of a a non-shopping kind of line that many of us have experienced, uh, at least uh, sometime in our past, and that's the line to see Santa Claus. 
Now, an interesting distinction, though, these shopping lines we're talking about are kind of, uh, at least at Christmas time, we're shopping for somebody else usually, aren't we? It's kind of like, it's not about us, but we're spending time in line like you for, for the grandchildren, or the granddaughters, rather. And, you know, we spend time for gifts for somebody. But when we're in the line for Santa Claus... Uh, our objective is to get up there in order to tell Santa what we want, what I want for me, right? Can I get an amen on that? That's what it's all about. It's all about me when I'm getting in that Santa Claus line. That sounds a little self-centered, a little selfish, so I'm going to adjust that just a little bit. I'm just getting that that picture in my mind. Of me that sitting on Santa Claus' lap? Yeah, sitting on Santa's lap. That's some kind of a picture, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Ooh. Ooh. Poor Santa. Anyway. Another, another way of looking at this, that was sometime in the past, long, long ago. Another way of looking at this, when we tell Santa what we want, we're actually basically sharing, because, you know, you, for most of us, I hope it's when we were little, not now, you know, we are sharing with, with Santa our hopes and dreams, aren't we? We're, we're sharing with Santa what we're hoping for and what we're, what we're dreaming about. And, uh, and, and we're willing to wait in line a very long time in order to share with Santa these hopes and dreams we have. And the reason why we're willing to do that, the reason why they are willing to do that, is because they believe. They believe. They believe that Santa will deliver. That Santa will deliver whatever they're hoping for, whatever they're dreaming of. That Santa has the power to make that happen. And when their dreams come true, their hearts are just filled with joy. They believe. (laughs) They believe. They are willing to stand in line in order to share those hopes and dreams. And this raises a question. And the question isn't, why is there such a long line for Santa? Uh, I mean, I think it's easy to understand why so many people, so many children, would stand in line to share their hopes and dreams with the one they believe will deliver. The question is, where is the line for Jesus? Where's the line for Jesus, the one who truly can deliver on our hopes and dreams, the one we need to believe in because he is the hope and dream delivery one? And and then the second question is this. If there is a line for Jesus, the question is, are you in that line? Are you standing in that line? On that night, 2,000 plus years ago, when God came to earth as a baby in a manger, there weren't any big lines. You know, we read about shepherds and wise men, but... It doesn't seem by any account that we read that there was any line that they needed to stand in. That's because nobody really knew what was happening, and we would suppose that if they did know, it might not matter. They might not care anyway. No, there wasn't any line waiting to meet the baby Jesus on that Christmas morning. You know, it changed about 30 years later. Once Jesus uh, matured, when he became an adult, when he emerged as a, as a, well, an itinerant preacher is what he was, once people could see who Jesus was, what he said, what he did, uh, once they'd had contact with him and saw what that meant, everything changed. It, it changed drastically. In fact, once people realized the power that Jesus had, 
there were the, the lines and crowds, that was the norm, not the exception. Over and over and over again in Scripture, we read about crowds that follow Jesus. We read of him speaking to the crowds. We read of people crowding around him to be healed and made whole once again. That word crowd, we read over and over and over again in the stories of Jesus in the Bible. There weren't lines to see him when he was first born, but that all changed when he became an adult. In Mark chapter 2, there's a section of scripture that talks about these lines, that talks about the crowds. It's Mark 2 verses 1 through 12. And we read where Jesus came home to Capernaum and there were so many people that gathered around to hear him, to see him, um, to just get a touch from him that there was no room anywhere. The house was jam-packed. It was just loaded with people all around the outside. And there were four guys that were really concerned about their friend who was paralyzed. And they needed for Jesus to touch this paralyzed man. So they cut a hole in the roof and they let their friend down through the roof because they couldn't get to Jesus any other way because of the crowd. Well, we read in the scripture that Jesus saw their faith and he told the paralytic that his sins are forgiven and take your mat and get up and walk. And in fact, he was healed and did walk away. Mm. And the crowded house wasn't the only crowd we read about there in the book of Mark. In the very next chapter, we read this. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake and a large crowd from Galilee followed. When they heard about all he was doing, all Jesus was doing, many people came to him from Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, and the regions across the Jordan and around Tyre and Sidon. Because of the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him, to keep the people from crowding, there's that word again, crowding him. For he had healed many, so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. Whenever the impure spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. But he gave them strict orders not to tell others about him. Over and over and over again, we read about crowds, not just in Mark, but all four Gospels. Gospels are the books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that are about the life and ministry of Jesus, also about the death and resurrection of Christ. But we read all kinds of um, stories about crowds. Uh, We read about the beggar who knew Jesus was passing by because of the noise of the crowd and asked Jesus to restore his sight. We read about a tax collector. His name was Zacchaeus, was a wee little man. He climbed right up in a tree because the crowd was so great. He couldn't get to Jesus any other way. That's how he could see Jesus. We read about the crowds were so great that there was one place where Jesus had to get into a boat and push off um, so that he could speak to the crowds. He had to get in a boat and, and move so that he could get to the, you know, speak. And we read about Jesus on a hillside speaking to hundreds, I would say thousands of people. On a certain day. It's in Matthew. It's a great uh, bunch of preaching from Jesus Christ. And so over 
And over and over again, when we read the scriptures, we read about crowds of people there with Jesus, of people who were lined up to hear and see in Jesus. And when we read these stories in those, in those stories in those books about Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you can kind of boil it down usually to like three things, especially in Mark, because it's kind of the no-frills book. It, it already kind of boils it down. There are three main reasons that there were people were crowding around Jesus. The one was his teaching. Second was his healing. And the third was casting out demons. He taught people about the kingdom of God. He taught people about love. He taught people about forgiveness. He healed people of their illnesses, of their diseases. He healed them, but much deeper. He gave them spiritual healing. He, he healed their emotions. He brought healing. And lastly, he cast out demons. Demons, those helpers of Satan who were robbing people of the life that God had promised. Jesus cast those demons out and through by doing that brought new life to the people. And with that new life, he offered them hopes and dreams. He's the real one. He's the one that we go to to talk about hopes and dreams. They hoped he was the Savior who'd been promised for centuries, and they dreamed of this life that he promised through eternity with God. So that was then, and now is now. Kids wait in line to tell Santa their hopes and dreams. There is a line for Santa. So we ask again, where is the line for Jesus? And if there is a line, would you be in it? Not only, not only to tell Jesus your hopes and dreams, but to stop and listen to the hopes and dreams Jesus has for your life because it's far greater than what you could ever hope for or dream of because he has a hope and a future for you because he created you and he loves you. To hear what Jesus has to say. To receive the healing, whether it's physical or spiritual or emotional healing. Christ doesn't want us to be, you know, bound up in that. Or to receive freedom from our demons. Oh, we don't like that word. So we use words like hurts and habits and hang-ups. We all have them. Every single one of us has them. It could be, you know, lifestyle. It could be addiction. It could be, you know, fill in your own blank here. But they're demons and we all have them. And that's why we are so excited about the Unbound Conference. Because we have an opportunity to be guided through a process so that we can experience freedom in Christ. Mm. And so once again, we see the line for Santa, and we ask, where's the line for Jesus? You know, the crowds were lining up for Jesus right till the end of his life. The week before he was crucified, they lined up and cheered as he and the disciples re-entered Jerusalem. They threw their coats down in the street and waved palm branches in homage, shouting, Hosanna! Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, welcoming Jesus 
as they would a returning uh, warrior who had championed the cause. Yeah, they were lined up and cheering for him that day. And less than a week later, they were lined up again. Crowds everywhere, and they were once again shouting, and instead of Hosanna, they were shouting, Crucify! 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 The crowds who had once cheered now mocked him, beat him, hung him on a cross to die. He was buried. Three days later, he was resurrected. Nobody was there. The crowds weren't there. There's no place in Scripture where we see there were massive crowds at this point. His followers, disciples, people who were close to him. Kind of like his birth, where that morning... There was no crowd. There was no line for Jesus. You know, as we reclaim Christmas, we are the line. We form the line for Jesus. You, me, us. There's a line for Jesus, and we're it. And Jesus hears us in that line as we cry out to learn more of God's kingdom who we are, where we are, how we fit in, how we grow in Christ. He hears us as we cry out for healing from our illnesses, from our diseases, from our hurts. He hears our cries as we cry out to be released from those demons that bind us, from those things that keep us from fully realizing what God has in store for us. They keep us from being the persons that God intended us to be when God first thought of us. Of all the lines that we'll be in this Christmas season, there's no line more important than the line for Jesus. And the question is this, are you in that line? Are you in that line? You might say, well, how do I get in that line? I'm not in that line. Well, it's really pretty simple. It's not that complicated. You would say a prayer that goes something like this. Jesus, I don't, I don't really have this relationship with you, but I want to be in that line. I want you to be the leader of my life. I'm sorry, Lord, for the way I've handled my life. Up till now, please forgive me. I look to you for direction. That's getting in his line. Now, some of you may have never done that before, never said that prayer before. That's what we call a prayer of salvation. We would encourage you to say that in your heart. Just talk to God one-on-one or after the service. There's some folks in the back that would love to talk to you and lead you through that prayer. Now, there are others of us who have done that at some point in our lives, and it's important for us to do it every day, to recommit 
to reclaim Jesus as our Savior every single day so that we don't get caught up in different lines because we want to be in Jesus' line, don't we? We want to be in that line. And even as Christ followers, we get really, you know, messed up. And so it's important every day to start that day with, I love you, lead me, I want to be in your line. We hope that this Christmas season, as we reclaim Jesus, that we make him the center of our lives, either for the first time or and every day after that. Amen? Let's pray. God, I confess myself that I tend to um, get really misdirected. And I get in the line of, um, you know, got to get this done, or the, the line of ingratitude, or the line of materialism, or all these lines that don't really have a whole lot to do with you, but actually shove you aside. God, please forgive me. And Lord, I would pray that we all leave here today with, with a stronger conviction to make you first in our lives, to get in your line, Jesus. Because it's the best line that we could ever be in. That you never steer us wrong. Lord, order our steps. We thank you for your love, for your grace, and for your mercy. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of Connection Church said, Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers.